a lot of it is like small like fractures but fractures still take like six to eight weeks which is frustrating but that's been one thing that's been like uh a lot of people have been like so you switch from skiing to downhill or like enduro gravity mountain bike racing like one of the most like dangerous sports and you have like a low bone density um that one's been hard for people to wrap their heads around The 2020 mountain bike race season was weird. And for so many racers, a pretty quiet, uneventful year. So then how is it possible to have a breakout race season during the global COVID pandemic? What's up Yeti Nation, Marty here again with an episode for you to get to know. The new kid on the block, the young buck Canadian turning some heads in the race scene. Back in January, I caught up with the Squamish pinner, Casper Woolley. He recently wrapped up the first four stops of the Enduro World Series in Europe. Coming off a wrist injury, he cranked up the speed in the second half of his trip with a 7th and 14th position in La Tuile, Italy for races 3 and 4. Casper's breakout came last summer, in a time where most races were totally cancelled. It started at the Canadian Crankwork Summer Series, racing everything from Enduro, DH, and Dual Slalom, where he landed some pretty impressive results, all on the same Enduro bike. With that momentum, he went to the States and raced the two big mountain enduro series where at Winter Park, he won, beating fellow Yeti rider, Richie Rude. No small friggin' feat. Casper didn't grow up with a mountain bike race focus. With a ski racing background, he was smaller than everyone else's age. Size certainly needed for speed on skis. He later came to learn it was a brain tumor that prevented this growth. A brain tumor he is still currently living with. He claims his lighter weight has given him an advantage in a door racing. But on top of all this, Casper has a rare condition where he breaks his bones easier than the average person. How does Casper do it? Well, I've got a conversation for you. Cool. Can you, Can you hear, hear me? me okay? Yeah. Yeah, I got you, dog. You got me? Nice. Yeah. I'll let you get, sounds like you're kind of rustling there. Maybe you're just getting right back from the gym. I'll let you get comfortable. All right. All right. Are the hey, headphones you done? good? Or I wasn't yeah. sure what I should use for like audio. I don't have like a microphone, unfortunately, but. Oh, that's fine. Um, if this is what you got, it's good. It sounds like a little bit bathtubby, but it's probably like two out of 10 bathtub. If that's the best you got, then dude, I'm, I'm, I can do two out of 10 bathtub. All right. You know what? The great thing about this though, is it doesn't matter how the audio is, as long as you say really good and intelligent things. So how do you feel about that? Yeah, we can try. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. So we had to postpone this a little bit because you were at the gym. Is that right? Yeah, I had to kind of move my day around just a bit because I had physio in the morning, whereas I usually go to the gym in the morning or, I mean, morning for me, usually like 11, so <laughs> pretty, <laughs> pretty relaxed. So, I mean, that means you're in the off season. So what, what does, what does the off season look like for you right now? Um, well, unfortunately, I kind of like going into my sort of main block of gym training i managed to crash pretty hard <laughs> on my bike so i uh fractured my the head of my fibula 
on the side of my knee and kind of damaged some ligaments and sprained my ankle really bad. So still recovering from that, but I've been able to like do quite a bit of training still. So just in the gym, like five days a week, basically. And then on the trainer, like three days a week. So I kind of do like two sessions a day. And that's kind of my main schedule right now. Just to paint the perspective, though, what what time of year did you crash? Uh, December 7th. Okay, sweet. So we're chatting. This is kind of the end of January. How are you feeling in terms of recovery? Yeah, I'm kind of ready to get back at it here. It's been one of those that, like, I thought it was going to be, like, a couple weeks. And then I found out I actually broke a bone, like, five weeks after. Mm-hmm. And the ankle has just been really slow, but I'm going to try skiing this weekend. So excited for that. Um, but yeah, kind of ready to get back into the swing of things. Oh, I bet. <clears throat> so we're chatting. You're based out of Squamish right now. Is that right? Uh, yes. So Squamish is home for you because it's a uh, ultimate training ground. Is that why you landed in Squamish? Um, I mean, this is just where I've grown up um, from when I was born. So I guess <laughs> I didn't really have much of a choice, um, but I've definitely had no reason to leave. Um, my dad uh, moved up to Whistler a couple years ago, so I'd spend mm-hmm. quite a bit of time there as well. So are you telling me that you grew up in like the epicenter of mountain biking? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm getting at. So growing up in Squamish, um, you know, you would assume that was, was it, was it not Whistler? Did you grow up in Whistler as well? Or was it always Squamish? Uh, No, mostly just Squamish. Okay. Um, Well, what I think is cool with that is um, we were emailing back and forth and we had a quick phone call and I asked you, I was like, well, there's a, there's a skier on your, your icon, but you didn't necessarily grow up mountain bike racing. Is that right? Uh, no, I like, I, it's kind of like a tough one to like explain. Cause I basically grew up like riding bikes, like anyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, uh, there's not really like a lot of opportunities to race your mountain bike when you're really young um it's getting like more and more so that's kind of where i like um went into skiing um and just really like focused on that like i kind of did all sports like hockey soccer kind of the whole whole thing um but having two parents that were like both ski coaches and my dad raced on the national ski team that was kind of where I had my sights set from a pretty young age. Like I knew I was going to ski race. Um, and that was kind of that. And then I ended up breaking my back when I was like 10 in the bike park, um, which was a pretty, pretty bad accident. Actually, I did it like, um, got a nice helicopter ride to the, to children's hospital in the city. Um, so that's kind of, my parents kind of steered me away from mountain biking and downhilling 
um, after that and more into like doing BMX in the summer, which was mm-hmm. honestly kind of like kind of the best thing um, to kind of prepare me for like what I'm doing now because I feel like the way I ride and a lot of things I bring like on the mountain bike are from like my BMX background. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I braced like I basically skied um from like the age of 10 to like 16 i'd ski in the summer or uh, <laughs> ski in the winter and then i'd bmx race like all summer and then yeah have like the odd ski camp in the summer or something but um that was kind of my what was that was kind of what i was doing and then as skiing got more serious i kind of filtered out a bmx like a bmx is just a super competitive sport and you got to be like super on it and I wasn't really training for it at all in the winter because I was skiing so then I kind of dropped that and I was just fully focused on skiing so if you say if you were 15 years old at, at 15 was your target to make it to the Olympics for downhill skiing yeah 100% okay and I, you were racing with people like Finn Isles weren't you yeah that was Finn's like last year of ski okay. racing um, yeah. When we were and explain kids. a little bit, you know, I, I don't think everyone understands, you know, there's, there's more, there's, there's a lot of disciplines in downhill. So you weren't necessarily doing downhill skiing. You were doing more of the technical side of, of racing. H- how would you describe that? Yeah. So, um, you can't really race downhill until you're like 17. So you, you start out doing GS and slalom. And then when you're like six or 15 you could do a bit more super g um but yeah i basically did all the events but i gs was kind of my my best events that's where i sort of i guess had you kind of get you like you do all the events but you sort of focus on the ones you're good at Mm -hmm. um but yeah i never really was too focused on the speed stuff. But explain that. So you've got your target and you probably know where I'm going with this. <laughs> you've got a target to make it the Olympics when you're 15. You have a ton of talent with skiing. What held you back? Why, why couldn't you take it to the next steps downhill skiing? Yeah. So I was kind of around that time, actually, like when you're 15, you move up and age group like every two years you move up until you go fifth when you're 17 um and that year i actually really struggled i wasn't getting i was having the odd good like okay result but like i definitely felt like for no great reason i was just kind of not where i wanted to be um and then kind of jump forward a couple years i in the it was actually like the last race of the season at Whistler and I kind of been like I was really small so that's that was kind of like I know a lot I get a lot of people that tell me like no like I was like a similar size like that's like you know you'll grow like that's just how it was but like I mean I was like a hundred and I was under 120 pounds at like the age of 17 um which is super small like you were you were way smaller (laughs) than everyone right 
yeah for someone that's like in the gym in the summer trying to get bigger like trying to put on some weight like I was that was not happening um and yeah eventually I just got like kind of a blood test just to like some basic stuff to I don't even remember what it was to be honest but um yeah. uh yeah I guess like my parents got a phone call that was like pretty like um they like knew that it was like a tumor right away like they didn't know what exactly it was or like how bad like if it was cancerous or anything but like they just like it was too like extreme I guess like the numbers mm-hmm. um which I wasn't really like they kind of like kept it quiet like I didn't like think too much about it and then like I was actually like at a race in Whistler and I was like ready to race the next day and they're like nope you're like going to get an MRI on your brain like we gotta like figure out what it is and I was just like choked because I wanted to like race that day like hadn't had like the best season like um a lot of people might not know this but like in skiing like you only need two results per discipline to like get your like ranking so like one race can like make a big difference and you were Um, ready for it you were ready for the next day yeah so like I mean, I felt normal, like, um, so yeah, I went down and did that. Um, (laughs) kind of funny, the race actually got canceled that day, so I didn't miss much, but, um, yeah, they, I can't really remember how, it didn't take like too long, but yeah, they came back and it was like, oh, you got a, like a prolactinoma, uh, tumor. It's like in your pituitary gland, like right behind your eyes. And it's it's really small, like it's gotten small over the years, and it um it's not like a cancerous thing or um anything like that. And um I was kind of like, oh okay, well, part of me at, at the time it was like, okay, well, but like there's a reason why I'm really small, <laughs> and yeah. having some of these issues, like it's not just like me, huh. um, it's not just kind of me needing to push it more in the gym or anything like it's a something actually wrong but um yeah at the time I definitely thought that it was like okay I just like kind of like can I guess take some like medication and then it'll just like I'm just gonna kind of get back to um like I'm actually gonna be able to get bigger and stronger in the gym and everything is going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> trust trust season, modern medicine. They've got to figure yeah, this out. Yeah. Next season, I'm going to be like right where I want to be. But, um, uh, unfortunately it's kind of a, I mean, I'd say it would be like different for anyone, but the process has been very slow. So it's kind of, instead of me just like fixing it and then just jumping right kind of, to where I want to be I have sort of had this like four year kind of delay um and I'm not really like haven't really sped that up I've tried different like ways of taking supplements and stuff but um yeah I've had to be really patient on that one which has been very frustrating at times um like well, Casper, let me like, get this. 
Go for it. Um, just like to make it like a bit more obvious, like I could go to the gym and I could like train like five days a week and I might put five more pounds on the bar and we're not starting with a lot of weight on the bar to begin with. So <laughs> like that, that's just a really hard, like to be motivated to get in there and like keep doing it. But um, yeah, that was getting difficult for sure. Let me just get this straight because I, because I think I picked this up. Casper, do you still have a brain tumor right now? Yeah. Like it's, it's, they never like operated on it. Cause it's a pretty, like from what I got out of it is that if you don't need to get it operated on, it's like kind of a sketchy surgery cause it can mess up your eyesight. So yeah. it was kind of something that they really didn't want to do. Um, so oh, yeah. dude, <laughs> I, I still have it. So let me just, so how, how old are you right now, Casper? Uh, 21. Okay. So you found this out when you were 17 to 21. Now, was that kind of a big factor? Cause what I know about downhill ski racing, those guys got to be big. Like they gotta, they gotta use as yeah. much of the gravity as possible. And you right now that's not really happening for you. You're not growing the mass. Um, no. is that the biggest reason why you stopped downhill ski racing? Um, yeah, that was like a big, a big part of it. And I kind of, kind of from a couple of factors, like that was my, like the stresses I was like putting through my body to like skiing is a pretty, like, it's a big stress, um, to like the like the forces you're putting into your skis um i think that i just wasn't uh i was kind of delayed in my sort of like growth so i was just like overworking like my what my body could really handle and um i basically developed like a hamstring sort of injury like an overuse like tendonitis so it was just like every time I was turning it was like giving me quite a bit of pain mm -hmm. um and that's what kind of like the motivation was definitely slowing down and that um that one just like really like the winter of 2018 I uh, I actually went to Sweden to try and kind of just change up sort of the program and try something kind of different and yeah it just really wasn't working for me I was really struggling to like just actually go out and ski and mm -hmm. that was kind of where like the first time I was like okay like I'm not I don't really I'm not really liking what I'm doing like I never like thought I would kind of come to that point but like it just wasn't really fun anymore like I was yeah it felt like no matter how much effort I was going to put in like I wasn't gonna get to where I was trying to go and I it kind of like had been going I'd kind of been going for like four like five or six years now where I every year I was like okay well like next year I'll like put on 20-30 pounds like it won't like I'll just kind of like the hardships will kind of end and I'll be kind of back to being like really competitive um and it I started to see that that was not going to happen yeah. Um, and while this was kind of going on, I'd been sort of 
doing some more enduro races and stuff in the summers and okay. like 27 um like i did like the aspen EWS in 2017 um yeah. and like some other races and i kind of had like instant success um with like zero preparation like Off no training yeah like just kind of like i mean i did a lot of riding but like i kind of just took like my racing experience from skiing and kind of just went for it and I mean, I did crash a lot because I wasn't very, I was just the, uh, you were used to the speed, but you didn't have the skill yet. Yeah. I mean, I, the skills were pretty good too, but the kind of fact that like in like riding, like you, you have brakes to like slow you down, but like, there's like a straightaway that like, really like you can just go as fast as you want to go. That Mm -hmm. sort of took a while that's taken a bit to like understand that like you just cause like you can go th- like a certain speed, like you need to still like slow down and like actually be consistent over like a length of time. Cause I would just like pin it and then kind of just overcook corners and sort of explode basically. But it was on the corners that you would fall, not, not the straightaways. Um, well, I mean, there's always a corner at the end of a straightaway, so <laughs> you're out of control in the straightaway. That's usually where it ends up. That's where your issue is going to be. If you're crashing in the straightaway, you really screwed up. Um, because I would interpret that, you know, what downhill skiing is, is so fast that you can mentally wrap your head around, you know, things coming at you really quickly. Do you see a lot of um, transfer from downhill ski racing to racing enduro? Uh, yeah, I pretty much like all the, cause you don't really like race like enduro is like, it was really, it's a really tiring day. <laughs> so you don't like, it's kind of just different. Like, like 10 enduros, like in a year, like that's yeah. pretty normal. Like that's a decent amount of racing um plus like every year i've done it so far i've been or except this season i just had but every year before that i've had kind of a couple good size injuries that have i've had to miss some races so um you just don't get like the same you don't get that much practice like you do get some race experience but like in skiing for example like i mean i'm start i'm doing 30 35 races a year um Mm -hmm you're getting a lot of like time where you're nervous and like have to deal with like just being ready when the start comes. Um, and just like the fact that enduro, um, is like a two minute track. Like that's, that's like on the really short end of things. Um, whereas a ski race, like a minute is a long, is a long course. So, the mistakes the mistakes have to be to like a minimum or just pretty much zero so that's i feel like giving me a lot of comments because i've been used to like the pressure of like okay like you literally cannot mess up and then now i've gone to like something where like the mistakes here and there it's like not a big deal like you want to keep them Mm -hmm. to a minimum but like it's not going to like ruin your race to have kind of a bobble here there so that just i feel like gives me confidence to almost like push more which i've had to learn to like find my 
speed and consistency of like not pushing too hard but like also like pushing enough like i mean the level is really high like you you can't kind of just cruise along and be fast so i would you know from an outsider's perspective my perception especially watching finn isles coming from downhill ski racing and seeing his success with downhill mountain biking there's a lot of carryover that way. Why haven't you found yourself in the downhill mountain bike, um, you know, arena? What, why is it that it's enduro that you're excelling at? Um, yeah, it's a good question. Like downhill is definitely more like it's, they're probably like the most similar sports. Um, like just the way yeah. they work, like they're really similar. Like, um, Solomon GS, the two of disciplines I was doing more in skiing, like you actually get two runs and then they combine your time. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's like super close. But basically, um, in 2016, like I wasn't BMX racing that year. So I was like, okay, well, I want to do some more mountain biking. Like I haven't really been, I haven't actually gone down a trail with roots in a while. <laughs> so I just did a lot of mountain biking that summer. I did like one enduro or something. I um it didn't go very well yeah pretty much exploded the whole way down but um yeah i really enjoyed it that year so then the next year i got a better bike and um that was kind of just the bike i had and enduro was kind of what was suited for the bike i was riding so that sort of that's where it kind of started was i just the bike i was on was right was an enduro bike so then Mm -hmm. those were like if i was going to do any races those were the races i was going to do like i didn't have a downhill bike like wasn't didn't really make a lot of sense for me to like have a downhill bike since i was kind of using the mountain bike as like cross training and a way to get some like fitness and stuff um so that's where it really kind of that was kind of the main reason i started doing enduro and then i just really enjoyed it yeah well, it's, it's so different from, from my perspective, there's almost this carryover. You're, you're saying it's, you know, quite similar to downhill ski racing to downhill mountain biking. You're still like Casper, you still have a brain tumor. Like, are, are you still not a very big, like you're not carrying a lot of mass. How much do you weigh right now? What's your, what's your fight? Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm clocking in at like 145. Yeah. Um, but- that's an advantage. Like, is that not a better advantage to enduro over downhill? Like being light and nimble? Yeah, it definitely suits enduro like a lot more. And, mm-hmm. um, like when I came home from the races in the fall, I was actually under 140, which I wasn't super stoked on. But, um, that's been kind of another thing is like downhill, like you definitely being a stronger bigger guy like that's gonna help like i mean uh there's yeah there's smaller guys doing well too but enduro um being smaller like nimbler like the bike's a bit smaller like less travel and stuff yeah um it definitely like suits it definitely works being like a smaller guy like there's lots of other guys that are you know not much bigger than me that are doing super well so Mm -hmm. Well, let's fast forward to this last season, um, 2020 with the pandemic. 
for most professional athletes, it was a complete wash. Uh, not a whole lot of travel. There's a couple races here and there. Sure, there was um, EWS had um, you know a little bit of a circuit in Europe, but for the most part, it was it was a pretty mellow year. Not much happened. But Casper, yeah. you had a breakthrough year. Would you not say that this year was like your your breakthrough? Yeah, definitely. I would say this year was a big like breakthrough season for me. Um, kind of, I feel like I was ready to kind of do this last year, but I sort of started the year with a broken wrist and that kind of continued on. And then I had a couple of really strong results at the end of the season. But this year I sort of um, just even sort of improved on last year and was just really like ready to go um <laughs> and like switching to the yeti bike like that um just it took me a while to get used to like moved up like the bike was a lot longer um 29 inch wheels um but once i like started to get used to it it just gave me so much like confidence to go just like fast like where like that edge of like feeling comfortable like i feel like you could I can just always like push harder, which just mm -hmm. gives like a lot of confidence when you're sort of on your limit and riding at like race pace. Um, and I feel like that gave me like a little more speed as well. And yeah, I feel Actually, like you know what? How, help us out paint this picture. So, how tall are you? And I assume you're an SB 150. Yeah. Uh, and what size bike do you have? Just to paint the picture. Yeah. So, I'm like. 172 centimeters it's like just under 5'8 kind of 5'8 ish so i'm mm -hmm. not like super short but um yeah so i ride a i ride a medium with a shorter stem like 35 millimeter stem um okay can you hear that i think that i was gonna say the train <laughs> might come which it is <laughs> you definitely live in squamish <laughs> where it's like the the trains just the sound of the trains bouncing off the chief <laughs> yeah no so you're 100 you said 170 centimeters um you've got a medium sb150 short stem yeah yeah okay yeah the short stem so i had i wrote it for a while with a 50 millimeter stem and i was just like this is this is not gonna work like I can't, like I'm just too stretched out and then yeah the 35 millimeter stem like that just made it like perfect like as soon as I did that I just it started like everything started kind of clicking for me um and I actually did try a small and I like told Damien that I wanted a small and that was the bike I needed and I rode it and then I told him that it was too small and he told me the whole time that I was going to be a medium so that was kind of funny um and I think it was a pain for him, but so. Sorry. But Casper, I want to talk a little bit how this season was different because you didn't uh, pop over to Europe like some of the Canadian uh, enduro racers did. And I think this is a key to why this was a breakout year. So Crankworks, which is arguably one of the biggest um, or is the biggest mountain bike festival in the world, especially based out of Whistler, they put on a summer series. So for every, for anyone that didn't watch that, what you know? How did the format of Crankworks work, and and how did that go for you? Yeah, so um, it was kind of an interesting thing, like the way it kind of all came together. Like 
um, I kind of heard from some other people that like Crankworx was going to try and put on this thing, like, you know, a few months out or something. And it was like, okay, well, like that just, that seems like a long shot. Like, <laughs> like I don't know about that. Um, and then, uh, not to really sound, I guess, cocky or anything, like there's a lot of fast people around, but I felt like, I think they were looking at like 16 men or so from BC. Like I felt like, okay, well I'll be on that list. Um, if mm-hmm. that ends up being a thing. So I was, I just wasn't like too worried about it. Like I was just kind of going about my thing and trying to improve my speed and stuff. Um, I was doing a lot of like kind of skill building stuff on the bike at that, t- at the time. And then, yeah, all of a sudden they, kind of they didn't come out publicly and then announce it but like they kind of had a list of riders and stuff and I um not to <laughs> throw them under the bus I feel like they felt kind of bad about it and afterwards but uh I didn't get invited at first so um yeah. I don't really know I don't want to get there's a lot of fast it. racers in Canada though yeah well because like, it wasn't Casper in, in fairness there's like Canada's got some fast people yeah it wasn't open to all Canadians though so okay. it was just BC only. Anyways, you didn't um, make the cut. I, cut. You're like, no, WTF. I didn't, I didn't make the cut. And I was like, well, this might be my only chance to race. So I was, yeah, I was really pushing to get myself in. And I don't want to get into like all how that all went down. But I did get in, which was awesome. And I, like, I've been riding with, like, other people that were really fast around here so I felt like I knew that I could be really competitive and the first week came and I actually cased a dirt jump like the day before we left and like bent both my ankles back like really badly and wasn't even sure if I was gonna be able to race like or like I just didn't know how it was gonna go like like they were really bad like or really hurting the day before I left but I uh I went and um it seemed like I could kind of ride so I had like two taped up ankles like a boxer for the first week and um yeah I kind of just went out and gave it my best and sort of started started the enduro like I was really nervous for that one and started with a second there I kind of like built up through the day I feel like and I think I won the last stage and I like I think me and Reese who was second we were like less than a second apart it was like super close um but that just like gave me a lot of confidence that i was riding fast and then kind of from there on it just sort of that sort of snowballed into just a lot of really good races for me um it's kind of one of those classics i always found with skiing like because in skiing you do a lot of back-to-back races and the weekends where like you start with a good race is a lot easier to like have lots of good races where yeah when you're start with a bad race it's a lot harder to turn around but um I think that was one of the biggest things is that kind of put me on the right direction and then I uh just sort of continued with that but Casper was this was this three weeks of racing and it wasn't one location it started in Silver Star it went to Golden and to be clear it wasn't just Enduro there was like air downhill. There was downhill. Wasn't there like a whole, like you say, the four cross, things like that. 
Was yeah, there a so, whole bunch of different types of races? Yeah, so every week they kind of had this almost the same sort of schedule. So it's enduro, dual slalom, uh, downhill, and then like an RDH. Uh, so it was actually really like I was just really excited to like get the opportunity to race some like other races because I kind of wanted mm-hmm. to race like try a bit of downhill and um i was really excited to like uh race like dual fall in that year like i was going to do the sea otter and maybe the whistler crankworks so like okay this will be super sweet um say the air downhill is like the one i was least excited about but those are always fun as well um and then we had the psychosis race the second week which was a really like cool event to be a part of which I didn't really get to be fully a part of because I crashed in practice and like put like a pretty much like somehow my right leg like doubled in size. Um, it was like, I thought it was broken. Like it was just massive. Um, but luckily it wasn't. So I kind of like as good, like I had like a awesome series and, um, and even with, I kind of pretty much missed like the entire second week actually. Like I did the enduro and then I missed those three races in kicking horse. And then I was able to come back for sun peak. Yeah. But so on all of this, so, so psychosis used to be this Red Bull event. Like it was this, I think it was the, the longest vertical descent. Um, starts off with dead dog, which is this gnarly descent. Um, you did four cross, you did enduro, um, did you do all this on the same bike? Um, pretty much. So I had my 150 and I asked for a dual slalom bike. So I actually got a 115 with 27.5 wheels. But, um, so all this came like, all this was just like so last minute. Like I yeah. basically didn't know I was going to this event. Like until like less than two weeks before the event. Um, and before this, I'd been like smashing my bike in the whistle bike park. So like, I was like, okay, like I, <laughs> I have a lot to like organize here. <laughs> yeah. Clapped out. So got a lot to like organize here to be ready to race pretty much one bike for three weeks. And um, I'm not, yeah, like I, I'm okay with the mechanic stuff but i'm not awesome so but way different right like normally you would have if you go to an enduro race you've got a mechanic you've got the full support but on this you're on your own weren't you uh yeah so some people had support um but i was i wasn't one of them um but anyway i did have a slalom bike and i raced it at the first one but i just like I didn't have any time, like, we really had, like, no time to kind of do much other than, like, wake up, do the practice for the event that was happening that day, or practice for the event that was happening the next day, um, so I, like, had this brand new bike that I was, like, okay, like, I guess I'm gonna race Solomon, and I, like, I, w- I was trying to focus on all the events, but, like, the Solomon was definitely kind of, I was, not really preparing 
putting all my effort in to prepare for it. I sort of, my plan with that one was kind of show up and make it, make it happen. (laughs) So I, yeah, I just, I just didn't have enough time to get that bike set up. So I, I raced Mm it and it didn't go super well in that race. Um, not really because of the bike. I like missed a gate and stuff in the first round. And then I didn't do the fall in the second week. And then the last week, I was just feeling really good on the 150. They, the course had like a bunch of grass turns. Like it was like probably 70% of the course was just like grass turns going around gates on like a, almost like a golf course. Like, I don't, like keep some peaks keeps their, yeah, some peaks keeps their lawn really clean. Um, so <laughs> I do so like I've done so much, uh, like practice on cones and stuff on like gravel roads and that, and all I'm always doing on my 150. So I was like, okay, well, I'm really comfortable doing corners on my 150, and I'm not going to be fast on the upper section no matter what. So I'll just try and be fast in those corners and I'll race my 150 and that would be that, which actually ended up being a really good decision. <laughs> um, cause I actually, I uh, got third in that one. So that was, that was sick. Speaking of corners, that's probably one of the raddest things I like about your Instagram account. Like if anyone's <laughs> listening, you've got to check out Casper's Instagram because Casper, you've taken something that everyone does on a daily basis and you've made it look so sick. What is it about you and rallying corners? Is it a passion of yours? Are you trying to get better at it? Or what is it with you and corners? Um, yeah, I think it, it kind of comes a bit from skiing. Like skiing is like all about turning. Like you, you don't, for anyone that hasn't watched ski racing, like you don't go in a straight line unless you race downhill. And even then you don't go in a straight line for very long. You're pretty much just like rail transition rail and you're just turning um so that's you just got to be fast at turning that's you wake up and that's all you think about is how you're going to be faster going around gates so it's kind of a natural thing to kind of i guess gravitate towards like um improving my cornering like that's for me that's where like um all the time is like that's where the biggest opportunity to be faster than other people is like everyone's pretty fast in a straight line um but like it's what you do in between the straight lines where Hmm. you can kind of make the difference and if you can be faster in the corners it also takes a lot less energy because you don't have to pedal as much which me being not quite as strong and powerful as other guys. I kind of feel like I'm like, I need to have the most energy I can when those pedaling sections come because kind of got to put everything I got into them to try and keep up. So, um, yeah, it was kind of from like a couple years ago, I realized that like, this is something that, uh, if I can be one of the best or, like mm-hmm. kind of striving to be as fast as anyone else there, then then I can be like competitive with like the top. Um, so yeah, it wasn't really, I didn't, um, I didn't really 
set out to necessarily kind of I don't know be the person doing corners like a lot of people come at me come to me and go like oh like you're like the guy that does corners like I feel for me it's like I don't understand why everyone isn't doing that like it's not like this kind of one thing that I kind of do that's like different from other people um but yeah it's been I guess really nice that I'm uh I've been able to make some improvements um and get faster there I think that's one of the things that helped me get some of the results I got this year well, let's talk about those results. And I want to kind of paint, paint the time frame here because I watched you train with some of the world's fastest out of Whistler. Like I saw you training with Thin Isles, Jesse Melamed. You had the cones on the gravel. You were just like rallying these corners. Crankwork, crank, sorry, Crankworks happens. You had some amazing results, not just in Enduro. In, sorry, you had some amazing results. And that was not just in Enduro. And then let's fast forward until, like, up until I think it was August. You went down to race some of the BMEs. And it's not like this was a stacked field like an EWS, but they had USA's fastest racers, including other guys that raced for Yeti. And one of those guys being Richie Rude. And I think part of this breakthrough season was you having a faster time than Richie. How the heck did you do that? Yeah, um, that was a surprise for uh, me as well. Um, I, I mean, to start off with, I for me, like I didn't really ride faster than Richie that day. Um, I rode a cleaner race, like he had some issues, and that was kind of my first race of the year where I just had a like a perfect race basically like no crashes no real like mistakes like just clean on every stage um but uh i think a lot of it was i just had a lot of racing under my belt at, coming into yeah. that and i like it's sort of that like when you're having stages that are good but like you know you like left time on the track and then you're still getting fast times like that just gives like a lot of confidence that you don't necessarily need to like light the world on fire to like be in the mix like you just need to ride smoothing lines to make sections like speed up a bit uh so that was yeah really good Yeah, the, the trail is just a general guideline. <laughs> That's why yeah. they had to tape everything on the EWS courses, right? Yeah, exactly. So was that a big, you know, I think I even asked Richie, I was like, how, how did Casper beat you? And I think he made some comment along the lines of, well, he, you know, he, he gave you all his secret lines. Is that the case? <laughs> um, I don't know about that. I mean, like he kind of, like, I mean, it was his race to win. He beat me by on the first stage by like 15 seconds. So mm -hmm. I don't think I was coming back from that one, but then he crashed on the next stage, which was uh, the downhill track, which I think was the one he wanted to beat me most on. Um, that was kind of the one stage I felt like I could actually kind of maybe sort of 
give him a run for his money. Um, but, um, yeah, we kind of stayed, like, quite even after that. Mm-hmm. But basically, after the first stage, that big lead that he made on me was back to, like, almost zero. So that's what really gave me the chance to um, be faster in the end. But Casper, this is the way that I interpreted it. You, you know, you had this, this, uh, this, all this awareness and all these eyes on you on Crankworks because they only brought so many athletes. You went to the BME and there was a lot of eyes on you there, especially Yeti kind of being a new uh, sponsor for you. But those eyes were on you because it wasn't a classic EWS season. Who knows what it would have been if it was one of those seasons. If all goes to plan, it's going to be a regular EWS season for next year. And I can only assume that's going to be your focus for the, for the, the season. Yeah. What are you going to do and, and what are we going to, what are we going to see from you this season? Yeah. Um, hopefully we can um, have a kind of regular season or some, something along those lines. Um, and I guess for me, it's kind of like, this was going to be my first, last year was going to be my first year racing pro. So I haven't, like, I, I raced pro at the two BMEs and stuff, but I haven't like raced in EWS in the pro category. So for me, it's like, I kind of have like an idea of like where I want to be and stuff, but like, it's really kind of a bit unknown like there's just so many fast guys and I definitely find like sometimes you like you'll race kind of a, a national event or something and you're like close to uh, be close to someone like Richie or something but then like you go to the EWS and he's just like putting in huge gaps so my focus is definitely to be like okay like the level definitely gets raised at the EWS and I kind of need to go with that bar getting raised like otherwise kind of get left in the dust a bit well that's the thing to get in the top 20 and then the top 10 ews you can't have mistakes is that not correct to say uh yeah i think i think that all depends on how fast you're riding like some of the top guys are definitely having mistakes but they're riding like really fast and (laughs) (laughs) they they can kind of afford to make some of those mistakes but yeah you definitely don't want to make many mistakes if any um and being good at recoveries is the key Mm -hmm. yeah that's that's kind of almost sums up enduro it's just like it is for me anyway. It's not necessarily me just rallying. It's just a bunch of failure <laughs> fixes throughout the whole track. But you're definitely faster than I am. So, Casper, you know, there's. A, I want you to summarize the teams a little bit. So, from what I understand, the Yeti factory team—that's Sean and Richie. But you're on this cool, it's, it's kind of like, it's still under the same umbrella as Yeti, but it's kind of this separate team. It's this one up that created it. But do I have it right that you and Jared Graves are wearing the same jersey for next season? Uh, yes, I, uh, I believe so. Um, we had the same jerseys 
this year. And yeah, that's going to continue on from my understanding. Um, so hold is, on, let me, I, let me just get this. I just want to get this straight. So your mentors right now are Sean Neer and Richie Rude. You guys are going to be, you know, there's, it's under the Yeti umbrella. So you have them as mentors. And then you've got someone like Jared Graves that's wearing the same jersey as you. And that's your friggin' team for next year? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so like tell pretty... I me, mean, is, is that not the perfect setup? Yeah, it's definitely pretty ideal. Um, I couldn't really ask for anything better. Um, and it kind of, yeah, just the way it's sort of fallen in my lap a little bit has been pretty, like, crazy. Um, so just, like, super excited to like hopefully be able to kind of go to the races with these guys and learn from them like unfortunately i haven't actually really met jared yet or like been to an event with him so like looking forward to that and um hopefully that'll be able to happen this year this is awesome casper because it feels like all these variables are there's a lot of energy going into success i I'm just saying this because I'm so enthusiastic about it. So you've got the rad team. You've got a bike you're stoked on. You've got this breakthrough year. You've got eyes on you. I'm sure your Instagram account is even be, you know growing as well. I've been watching you. But, you know, you're going to be training your butt off. You've got the fastest racers in Squamish. I just can't think of a better variable <laughs> to set an athlete up for success. Do you think you're missing anything? Um, no, I don't. I don't really think there's anything I'm missing like a lot of it is just on me to kind of take the opportunities and like make the most of them um, which I feel like I'm sort of doing the best I can like one of the things I like living in the sea of sky which is kind of crazy thing but like it's pretty tough to like not like there's like training and then there's like doing fun activities and it's been tough like seeing all these people like skiing and riding the moto and all this stuff and I'm like okay hey, like that's like great but like I want to be as competitive as I can be this summer so I gotta do what's gonna be most beneficial for that which is trying to trying to grow some arms actually looking to get maybe 50% of Richie's strength um that would that would set me up for a good success. Awesome. So you are totally driven. You're totally set on target for racing enduro. What is your first race of the season going to be? Do you know this yet? Um, no, that is. Okay. No one knows that this. Is very unknown. <laughs> no, the main. And that's got to be hard, focus, right? You don't have like a yeah. Like the the EWS schedule has been set for. Uh, the end of june so that's really like the main focus like fully prepared ready to go for end of june but hopefully can do some sort of smaller like national type races before that but just gonna have to kind of see how things go um quarantines are very time consuming <laughs> so just have to figure it all out to make it work best but yeah, end of June is where, like, kind of go time, ready to go. Because the way they have it is, like, it's four races within, like, two weeks. So it's, like, almost, like, half the season in two weeks. 
So it's kind of time to, or definitely to show up, like prepare, like can't sort of know, like kind of feel it out race and then have a few weeks to kind of figure out what you did wrong. Like need to kind of show up ready to go, which I feel like I have a bit of confidence just from like the crankworks was kind of the similar thing. And um, that went well for me. So kind of just sort of try and go with the same mindset and hopefully that'll work out. Well, I mean, relating it to even downhill ski racing and then crankworks, it's kind of has all the variables that you're used to racing multiple weekends and, uh, yeah, kind of like you're kind of in this interesting position where you're training right now. Um, you, you know, it's on the, the calendar, but it's just a very unique season. So you're basically, if I have this correct, you're just training to train, totally focused on enduro, ready to, ready to respond like a warrior. Is that fair to say? <laughs> yeah. Ready, ready to go. Not, not awesome, yet, but I will be. Yeah, you're going to get on the bike here soon. Um, I'm so excited to follow your Instagram. I'm so psyched to see the first race. I think there's going to be a lot of eyes on you, um, mine included. I'm really enthusiastic to see you ripping a 150 like you are. So, Casper, with that being said, have the greatest season. Keep posting on Instagram. Keep rallying those corners. Do you have any fi final things to say? Um, I guess, uh, I don't know. The one there was kind of one thing that I sort of missed that's been like a big thing for me too with the whole like um, tumor sort of situation um, that I think is kind of interesting. Um, but basically, I have like a really like low bone density, um, huh. so if people are like, wondering why I break a lot of bones, that's why. <laughs> well, okay, so part of the having a brain tumor is it's really easy for you to break bones. Yeah. It lowered like my overall like bone density. So I think I'm at like 20 ish broken bones, but like so Casper, a lot of it, a lot of it is like small, like fractures, but fractures still take like six to eight weeks, which is frustrating. But that's been one thing that's been like, uh, a lot of people have been like, so you switch from skiing to downhill or like enduro gravity mountain bike racing like one of the most like dangerous sports and you have like a low bone density um that one's been hard for people to wrap their heads around but um i mean i yeah. gotta just ask why don't you just stick to cross-country mountain biking i mean even at that you're bringing to break <laughs> bones but maybe cross-country skiing yeah um i mean those just those that just don't uh, have quite the kind of excitement and sort of skill and um, kind of like speed and precision sort of aspect to them that I guess I'm looking for. <laughs> well, that definitely doesn't give you an advantage, but you've been able to work through this. So is there, you know, do you factor in when you're riding at full speed that there's a chance you could fall and, and put you off? How, how do you mentally work through that? Um, yeah, I think I, there's some things like when it comes to like trying some like sketchy jump or like 
doing dumb things that sometimes I'm like, okay, like if I crash, like I'd have a big crash, like I'm probably going to break something. So like maybe let's not do that. But on the other side of things, I really like to ride fast. I find it really boring when I'm kind of on the brakes, like holding myself back so that I have a hard time kind of like balancing those two things and not riding um, like fully pinned all the time. That's been something I've had to try and learn over the last couple of years, but um, which is still, I'm still working through because I really could have avoided this last, last injury by just chilling out a bit more. <laughs> but um, yeah, kind of just comes down to like, I, even though I had a lot of injuries, I'm just like confident in my ability to um, ride like well and like not not crash even though it it happens Mm -hmm. but like once I kind of get into the race and that sort of mindset like I'm just not that uh, that is just not any thought that comes to mind at all I'm just sort of like feel like I can kind of get into that like narrow focus kind of in the zone like I'm a lot better at focusing on one thing and just what's right in front of me. I'm not not a great multitasker when things are kind of getting thrown at me from different directions. So racing is really good because I can just focus on <laughs> two feet in front of me and just go. Yeah, it's quite a simple concept. You just need to start and then finish and get down as fast as you possibly can. There's nothing else. Yeah, and it's great. I was going to ask you, why aren't you an Instagram star? So maybe that kind of answers it is you have a higher chance of falling if you're creating, you know, maybe Rampage isn't your calling. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I don't think Rampage would be a great um, idea for me, but you never know. Could see. I'm not, tricks are definitely not my uh, strong, strong side. I, I really am scared of doing flips. So that's been a hard, I I don't, I've never actually done a flip on a bike. So still that's, I think flips are, anyone can do flips now, but it takes true skill to make a corner look good or like a whip. And I feel like that's what you've got dialed. Whips. I don't know about my whips. I, I really, that was a goal this year was to get some whips dialed and I feel like I, didn't really make much headway. So 2021, same goal. Learn how to whip. <laughs> the year of the whip. Properly. Yeah. I, and have you ever heard the saying, Bo- have you ever heard the saying, bones mend, press send? <laughs> no, but that's kind of how I go about things. So it's sort of fitting. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if we need to get a Yeti sticker that says exactly that. Bones mend, press send. Casper. Yeah, right on the top too. <laughs> Casper, this was awesome. Thanks so much for your time. All the best of luck with uh, your recovery process. You're going to be jumping on a bike soon. Squamish, I'm sure, already has good riding. But uh, this time of year, you are lucky, especially in Canada. It's some of the only, you know, only spot in Canada that you can ride your bike year-round. So you're going to be on your bike soon. I can't wait to see how the season goes. Um, can't wait to see you in person and psyched to have you on the Yeti team. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It was 
super nice to chat and uh really excited about this season coming up um hopefully can kind of prove some people wrong again and kind of see what i can do Casper's race results from the start of the season's Enduro World Series proves he's a force to be reckoned with. Knowing his background and coming off an injury, I find myself cheering for him extra hard. He's clearly got the speed, he's got the mindset, and he's got the support. But does Casper have what it takes to stand on top? I can't wait to find out. Hey, Casper, bones mend, press sand. <laughs> Thanks, y'all, for tuning in. See you next time. You know what to do. Keep her pinned.